Hello, everyone, and welcome to Subscriptions for Authors. So this session is session number 10 of the Subscriptions for Authors 2023 Summit. It was filmed back in May, and we had an incredible speaker, Kimbu York, chatting with us all about how we can really increase our productivity as subscription authors, how we can manage our workflow, organize everything we're doing when it comes to tier benefits, when it comes to our production, and really diving deep into how we can even manage our serials. And Kimbu's fantastic, truly one of the smartest people out there. And I know you're going to really, really, really enjoy everything that Kimbu has to share. Now, if you want more summit sessions just like this, you're in the right place. We have transcripts for all 12 sessions from the Scriptures for Authors Summit in the description. And on top of that, we even have the 2024 Scriptures for Authors Summit, which will be taking place in person in Boston. We'd love to see you there. And in addition to seeing you, hopefully seeing you in person in Boston, you can also hang out with us virtually at the virtual version of the summit, which will include recordings of the in-person summit, but it'll also include 12 brand new sessions. And if you intend in person, you also get access to all of the virtual recordings. So I hope to see y'all there. I think it'll be a lot of fun. And of course, in the meantime, we're going to get into this session with Kimbu York, all about simplifying workflow management for your subscription. Let's do it. We're here with Kimbu York in an amazing session, which will all be about simplifying your workflow management for subscription success, which all the time at conferences, I've been to enough now to have my gripes with some. I love all the organizers, love all the authors, but sometimes you walk away with lots of different ideas, but you don't have the nitty gritty and you end up staring at a dashboard. You end up staring at your screen. You end up staring at your schedule and being like, wait, what should I do? How do I approach this? How do I like not waste a ton of time? And we're very privileged to have someone who's literally an expert at this in Kimbo York. So she's not only an amazing romance author, but also a productivity coach who helps solopreneurs, including authors, but solopreneurs are anyone online. We're all solopreneurs here trying to run our business as indie authors. Or if we're trad pub, you're still very entrepreneurial getting out there and creating your own books. And we're going to use the principles of project management today, which project management is something that I've become more familiar with the last year in a different context, which is a green light context. But I'm very curious to see the very specific author context with project management. I just know when I was publishing, I was very messy with how I did things. So I'm very excited to organize my things better. And I'm going to give the floor to you because... I bet we're going to have a lot of time for questions. There's going to be a lot of information in this time here. So maybe I'll answer everything and we'll just spend the last 15 minutes cheering each other on or something. I don't know. I'm going to share my screen because I'm ready to go if you are. All right. Let's get it kicked off. And I can promise you, we will have, if it's just me and you chatting for 10 minutes, selfishly, I'll enjoy <laughs> that. But I hope they ask questions. But if not, I'll enjoy just chatting with you. Okay, so you seeing that? Everybody on the same page here? Are you seeing my screen? I am. Is everyone else seeing All right. It? We get yeah. a bunch of yeses. All right, so this is great. This is my introduction screen telling you where you are and what we're doing, which you probably already know, and that I am Kimbu York. So what are we going to do from here? And I'm like, where is this? Okay, so who am I? 
As Michael said, I'm an author and productivity coach. My, I'm gonna sh show you my elevator speech. You're free to read it. But my background is in project management in the IT industry. I've worked with software firms. I've worked with enterprise level industries and also as a librarian. I have a degree in librarian studies and information studies with a, with a, a concentration in text technology, which is the study of text as, as it has evolved from the earliest writings that we have to what we're doing now. So I think subscriptions are just fascinating from that perspective. So that, but anyway, that is the perspective that I'm coming to this discussion with you all today. So what are we gonna talk about today? What is the plan? That's what everybody wants to know. I am going to explain the workflow to you from the top down. This is how my brain works best, but I just want to be very clear that I'm going to be giving people a lot of tools so that they can piece it together later, however works best for them. I'm going to explain it from the top down, and what I'm going to be explaining is how to guide, find a way to get through the complex world of self-publishing. As Michael said, we're all solopreneurs, even if you don't think of yourself that way, if you think of yourself as an author, even if you're traditionally published previously, you do a lot of management of your own business, right? So that is what I'm going to try to help you do today. We're going to cover a lot of data and we're going to go over a lot of things. But again, I've got handouts and other tools for you that I'll cover later that should help you along the way. So don't worry about taking notes because those handouts and templates, including this slide deck, although the slide deck isn't that informative, but the other stuff is, and it'll be all available to you. We'll be dropping links in the chat, as well as other littering them around as we go. So let's get to the heart of it. What are the main problems? Every time I talk to authors, the main problems that we come up with, the big one is overwhelm. You get overwhelmed by all the things you have to do, even if you're not doing serials, but especially if you're doing serials, subscription platform, I shouldn't say just serials, but if you're doing subscription platform of any kind, the sense of overwhelm just drags you down, right? That seems to be the most common one. Another common one is the fear of not being consistent, not knowing where things are, what dates you're running up against, when things are due, deadlines you've promised. You might know when the pre-order is, but you're not sure when you need to have the cover done. There's a lot of step backwards that go into being consistent that a lot of times we don't think and of course, scheduling. Scheduling is a big one in subscriptions. I promise you we're gonna get into details about scheduling, but we've got a little bit of road to travel first before we get into the nuts and bolts of that. But I'm gonna to try to make it there for you. Now we do have other factors in play and those are important. And for people who are concerned or maybe have other issues going on, I want you to know that you are heard and that I understand and I've actually, got a lot of experience with this. My previous job was working as the assistive technology coordinator for the student disability services at Florida State University. I spent 10 years working with students with disabilities and faculty with disabilities. I have a lot of experience working with a lot of different factors that can play into trying to be productive, trying to be efficient, trying to meet your goals. Of course, there are other factors such as time constraints. If your parents or your caretaking for an elderly parent, yourself or a sick relative, anything like that might restrict your time to be able to do what you want to do, much less schedule it. And of course, health issues, health issues, immunocompromised, if you're dealing with cancer treatments, 
I know, unfortunately, there are plenty of people these days dealing with long COVID. One of my best friends is dealing with long COVID. So that's very personal to me of trying to help people with those issues. So I will be addressing all of that as we move through this presentation. So the big secret, the big thing I want you to know about productivity and efficiency is that you need to know who you are and what your goal or goals are and what your capacity is. And your capacity is not just how smart you are. Your capacity is not just how many words you can write in a day. Your capacity is how much energy you have to get through the day. Again, these other factors could play into those like health, family responsibilities, having a day job, all of that affects your capacity. So as I move forward, I'm gonna come back to these issues a lot. What's your goal? What's your capacity? If you're not sure what your capacity is, kind of do a little self audit, you know, audit, big product management word. Just go back over your life and look at the times you've been most productive and the times you've been least productive and try to figure out what, affected those times. Mental health issues, eating habits, family trauma, drama, whatever. Do a little audit, figure that out. So the conventional method that we're all familiar with, especially if you're an experienced author like me, I, I did not mention this in my opening, but I have been published since 2011. I was published with a small indie press doing romance, Gabriel romance novels under the name Cooper West. And then I became self-published later and that's where how I've ended up on Ream. So the conventional model is write and edit. We all know that part. Then publish, hit the button, publish the thing, and then market and advertise. And of course these do overlap. You are going to be marketing and advertising possibly before you actually hit the publishing phase and even perhaps while you're still in the writing phase. So this isn't a direct one to down ladder or up ladder, but it is how we think of it traditionally, right? So you do all that and then you repeat it. Do a book and then repeat. And this is where we get the really popular, at least for the last 12, 15 years, a rapid release, doing as many titles as quickly as possible with the KU, getting things into KU as often as possible because you want to write, you want to publish, you want to market, you want to repeat. We got this cycle it's going on and on. So we aren't doing that today. That is not the actual model of being a self-published subscriptions author. I'm going to talk about what the actual model is. It's called the publication cycle, which is my fancy word because it just sounds better than product life cycle, which <laughs> Michael might know how sexy those terms are in a textbook. It's, they're not fun. They're no fun. So we're calling it the publication cycle. And the first step of the publication cycle is production. The second step is inventory. The third step is distribution. I'm gonna go over a lot of data here in the next few minutes, but I want you, if nothing else, to come away from this presentation with the idea that the publication cycle is not write, edit, publish, market, and then repeat. The publication cycle for you is production, checking your inventory, and distribution. Now, are there other things involved? Yes, and we'll get to those in a bit. But I wanna explain what I mean by production. Again, we're going top down, so I'm stepping down the explanations here. 
Production is the what, when, and how. It is where the writing happens. It's where a lot of other things happen too, but if you want to think about the production cycle, that's what you're going to think of first, is the writing. The inventory cycle, the what, where, specs. This is where you're collecting all the data about your inventory. For a book, that would be the title, the summary, the ISBN number, the different formats it's in, where it's been published. And again, going to be going into a lot of detail on that. And then, of course, the distribution, which is what I think a lot of people get worried about, is the what, the who, the when, the scheduling, the calendaring, the places, the distribution points of where you're publishing it, whether it's on Ream, Patreon, Amazon, KU, Barnes and Nobles, Kobo, whatever. This is what the publication cycle is, and you're going to be in different stages of this cycle with different projects you have going on. For me, I'm constantly in a mix of these cycles with every project I'm working on because I always work on more than one thing at a time. So your mileage may vary with that. Again, I just want to try to hit it home. You are in a publication cycle, production, inventory, distribution. I'm sorry it's not sexy. There's nothing I can do about that. It's just, this is what you're doing. There are ongoing things that I know you're thinking of right now business management, marketing, and advertising. These are things that, did I misspell business? I sure didn't I, look at that. It happens, it happens. <laughs> Can I tell you how many times I've gone over this deck and I didn't see that, ah, ah, collecting myself. Business management, marketing, and advertising are things that can happen all the way through the publication cycle, just like with any other business. If you think of a car manufacturing company, they're dealing with business management and marketing and advertising, no matter what stage a new car design is at, right? So these are things that are going to be ongoing. And if you want to think of it metaphorically, thinking like they're weaving through the production cycle. Got some great advice on that concerning marketing later, but for right now, we're going to be moving on. Off to the list, and this is what I'm super excited about. <laughs> Again, don't worry about taking notes. If it helps you remember things to take notes while you're listening to a presentation like this, that's great. But just be aware that you don't have to be as super precise as writing everything down from the chalkboard because this is 2023 and we have digital versions of everything I'm going to be going over. So here we go. I'm going to close this out and I'm going to go over here. Michael, can you see this pretty well? Do I need to... I Make see it. it. You can see it. All right. It's pretty good. Yeah. I don't think Google Docs has, maybe they do a presentation mode, but this is really, this is like the viewing mode. I can put yeah. it in edit mode. This is about as good as it gets. I can make my screen bigger. If any get. Heather says zoom in. Yeah. Zoom maybe. in. I can do that. How's that? Maybe even go further because there's still some white space on the edge. Why not? Going on. There we go. That's great. I'm going to go down a little bit because now I'm going off this. There we go. Yeah. Okay. So the author success toolkit. Now this is what's going to be free for you. We have the Google link docs so that you can go and visit this page directly because there is a lot of information on this page. So I have a little short explanation on the, oops, sorry. Didn't mean to do that. A little short explanation on the first page of it. We're going to skip over that because I mostly said that. We're going to talk about the production process. So when I say production, I don't just mean writing. If you look at this, you'll see that writing is only three parts of the production process. The rest of it is ideation, thinking up the book idea, 
rumination. I, it, this is something I do because I'm a pantser. So I'll think of an idea and then it'll be weeks before I touch it because I'm just thinking and twisting and like pulling at it. Organizing, if you're a plotter, this is where you would do your plotting. If you're um, doing something that requires research, such as historical fiction, historical romance, world building for fantasy or science fiction, you'd start doing that here. And then you go through these stages. Look at what production really covers. This might be why you're feeling overwhelmed a lot of the time, because when you're thinking about writing and then you're thinking about publishing, you're skipping over all of this part, which you know you have to do, but you may not be accounting for it in your schedule. So this is how this is going to save you time. By knowing what you have to do, you can include it in your schedule and you can work around it. Especially if you've done this before and you know how you have a cover artist and you know how long it's going to take to get you a cover, then you can factor that into the schedule of the release schedule for whatever you're starting. Also keep in mind, the way I have it set out here is just for one edition of each. If you have a specialized select digital edition or a special print edition, maybe you're doing a Kickstarter, you could change all of this and add things to it. So just be aware when you're talking about the production cycle, it's not just writing, it's all of this. So now what do we get into? We get into the inventory. Now I'm gonna stop here for a second because inventory is a really long list. I know Michael was looking at it earlier. He knows this is a long list. It can be overwhelming to just look at this list, but I want you to understand that this is just data that you can use any way that you see fit. If you like having a lot of moving parts, if you use a day planner with different sections, if you use something like Asana or Trello or Airtable, then that's great that you can plug all this in and I'm gonna have, go over how I use it in Notion towards the end of this talk. But if that doesn't work for you, that's fine. If you have issues where, for instance, you have object impermanence, I've dealt with this with people who have ADHD or traumatic brain injury or long COVID brain fog. If they put something away and you, if you put something away and then you forget it exists, like it's on the other page or it's in a drawer, it's in a folder, what's somewhere on your computer, then flatten your task list. Either make it one long, sheet, one long page. You can, I've had students who printed it out and just stuck them up on the wall, taped them to the wall, their whole schedule for the entire semester. A little overwhelming for me. My problem is the opposite. I have generalized anxiety disorder. So seeing a list that long on the wall, I would like, I would close the door and I would walk. <laughs> That's not going to work for me, but it worked for them because it flattened everything out so they could see it and nothing got lost. If you have issues with time blindness, or you have issues with not knowing how to break things down into steps, that might be a good time to work with other people, either do co-working, get a friend to help you step out the different steps of something. There's lots of different ways to approach this. So when we go over this list, I don't want you to get suddenly, oh my gosh, that's just, there's no way I could do anything with all of this information. Just remember, you don't have to do it all at once. You don't have to do everything. And what you really need to do is to do it in the way that works for you. So with that preface, I'm gonna go on down this very long list. 
the inventory usually it can be a spreadsheet it can be a notion I'll, like i said i'll be sharing how i do this in notion it is the single place where all the information lives. And if you have a single place where all the information lives, you're gonna save yourself an inordinate amount of time trying to find all this information later. Let's see, we've got title, brand, if you have multiple pin names, series, if you're using series, what kind of type it is, if a story. The advantage of doing all of this is so that if you need to find all your novellas or you want to see what short stories you have out, you can easily sort and find them. <laughs> so word count goal, word count current. Again, you don't have to use all these fields and I'm going to be going over this pretty quickly, but this handout is available for you. Writing status, deadline, publishing status, genre. If you only write in one genre, why would you need to track genres? You wouldn't. I write in many genres. I need to track what genres is going on. Subgenres, if you write a mystery, you might also write in LGBTQ or you might write in contemporary or something else. Lots of options on that one. Copyright, so I found this particularly useful. I'm in the USA, so being able to know when my copyright was filed, I like to track how much it costs because it's fun to watch it go up over the years. And the copyright registration ID, handy to have on hand if you ever need to do any takedown requests from different sites. The ISBN, the Amazon number, pricing, I have price structure, ebook prices, again, like I was saying about under the production part of the cycle, you may have several different editions. So you may have to make room for that. Release dates. Now, as someone who has been published since 2011, and I'm sure some of the authors who've been around for a little while, you need to write down your release dates somewhere because trust me, you're not gonna remember. Like somebody who's, oh, when did you release that? But I'm like, 2014? Yeah, I don't know. So you do need to know this because it will come up if you're ever uploading a book to a new platform, for instance, you'll know when it was released when they ask you. Print providers, distribution. Now, this is where we get into the groovy stuff. You can have a way to track where you've posted something. You're never going to be sitting there and going, oh, did I load up that, that book to Kobo? We're going to get into the subscriptions element of this in a second. So just bear with me as I pull this through. You also want to be able to mark if you've pulled it. So either you've taken down an old book, which I've done in the past, so that you can rewrite it and do a second edition, or you're taking down a book because you're going to put it in KU or something like that. You need to be able to mark that. And then links. This is the gold, in my opinion, because what you're going to do is you're going to be able to put the links where everything lives in here. And this is all the places you might have something uploaded. And this is super helpful, not just for you to get to it, but if you have fans who email you and say, hey, I really wish your book was available on Kobo, you can say, oh yeah, sure it is. Like right here, I've got the link right ready for it. You're not going to Kobo and looking through all your books. Trying, don't do that. Waste of time. Reviews, if you save them, and then other information. I like to put location of media and art files because over the years that I've been publishing, I've had four desktop machines, three laptops, and two external hard drives. That's not in counting Google Drive, Dropbox, and OneDrive. 
Yeah, things can get complicated and messy really quickly if you're not keeping track of where your assets are. Assets being all the digital parts, the covers, the actual original copies, whether they're in Scrivener or MS Word or Google Docs, all the different bits and pieces and bits and bobs that you may be using for the EPUB. Just know where that stuff is. It's going to save you a lot of trauma in the long run. So now we're getting down to distribution part, which is what everybody's really interested in. <laughs> the who, what, and when. And what I'd really like to stress is this sentence right here. Distribution is an ongoing process that is in flux. It has a start date and an end date. It may, if you're doing subscription models where you're releasing something in pieces, then you've got a lot of release dates in between, but you're gonna have a start date and a finish date at some point not barring deciding to go back and do a special edition or something. You're tracking the content of what you're sending out to which tiers and communities on the schedule you have decided. So when you're tracking it, these are the things you're going to be tracking. Notice here when I put distribution, I've got the tiers separated out as separate distribution points. It's not good just to say something that you release something on Ream if you've got four tiers, because then you've actually got four distribution points on Ream. So that can really complicate things. And then of course, publishing, if you're again, date pulled, if you're going to KU or you just wanna pull it down, that's part of your business model. And then publishing where you're publishing it as a completed product, whether you've pulled it or not. When you go into calendarizing, your first step is going to determine your release schedule for books. And the easiest way to do that is to figure out what your top tier gets and then work backwards from there. That's pretty much true about everything, but it's particularly true of scheduling. If you want your top tier to get some form of content every two weeks, then every tier under that is going to get less than that. They're either going to get started later or they're not going to get all the pieces that the first tier gets, they're not going to get it in the same dates, and so on. So this is how it's going to look. You're going to have the first tier, let's just say you've got a two-week release schedule, so that the first tier releases, and then the two weeks after that, the second tier releases, third tier releases, fourth tier releases on two-week intervals. And I did a little table with this because that can get hard to visualize. And then it gets even more hard, <laughs> harder, most difficult to visualize when you start adding the other elements of what you're releasing. So notice tier one gets chapter one and two, tier two gets chapter two and three, but on the same day, tier one and tier two get some form of content. And it's this overlapping part that I find people really find getting confusing fast. If you're feeling overwhelmed, I want to tell you that's okay because this can get overwhelming really quickly. And the example that I use is that if you've got a book with 25 chapters, right? And you've got four tiers, like I have set up here on screen, then you don't have one release day. You don't even have four release days. You have four times 25 release days. You have 100 release days for that content. And that's why it feels overwhelming. You're not going nuts. It's not just you. 
it really is a massive project. And if you've got more than one project going on at a time, it compounds from there. So this is complicated, it is difficult to figure out, and it is difficult to track. What I'm trying to do is give you the tools so you can figure out how to track it best for you. There's no one right way to do this. I'm gonna go look at the author schedule examples that I've created here. It's a Google Doc, it's a Google Sheets, a Google Sheet singular. I don't know, I get confused about all of that. I've created different versions. This is another document that you is open for you to come in and either cut and paste or copy to your own Google Drive. And I've done different versions of tracking. So I've done by date and by chapter, releasing to the tiers. I've done tiers and chapters, releasing to the different dates. Scroll on down. I've got dates and tiers, getting different content. And then this is multi-book. This is pretty much my favorite model for me personally, because I do use multi-books, but it's date and tier. And I've color-coded the different books so they're easy to see and know which book is where. And the reason I like this is you can easily see is it step walks down the whole thing. And as you go down through the year, it'll just keep going out with different products that you have. So this is multi-book by date and content. Yeah, all power to you with this one. I hate this one. This is not how my brain works at all. <laughs> not how my brain works at all. Because if you follow tier one, you'll see that tier one is like this and tier one is like this. And it's just, I don't like it. But that's my brain. When you go to look at this later and you look at these different options that are available, I want you to look at which one makes the most sense to you the quickest. Which one you look at and you're like, yes, that makes a lot of sense to me. That's the one you should be using. All right. So now, super excited about this one. I'm going to show you how I have it set up in Notion. This isn't actually my personal Notion site. This is one I've created for all of you. This is a Notion template that, dashboard that you can copy into your own Notion. Now, if you don't want to use Notion, you don't know what Notion is, that's fine. I'm showing you this so I can show you how all these details play together and so that you can see exactly how it works going through each step of the process, each set, step of the production cycle, all right? Um, you'll see I have Heart Breathing's intro to Notion there. It's a fantastic video. If you're curious about Notion, go watch that video. It's why I included it there. Hers is about setting up a task list and dashboard homepage more than it is about productivity cycle. Um, but I'm going to show you how the productivity cycle can actually work with her own task lists in the sense of her Kanban board style, which is those different columns that she uses if you're familiar with her HB90. So let's get to it. Production. This is my word count tracker. You can see it has the title. It can has the name of the project, has the words, goal, difference. Then you know whether you hit your goal or not. And the date that particular one was made. So how this works is you go over here, you click new. And you'll see that the content is chapter two, Scene six, today's date. Now, this is a relational database. So when I click on this, it's actually reaching out to my stories master list 
and pulling in the stories I have there that are not listed, that are listed as, in this particular case, they're just all being pulled in, but you could change it so it's only pulling in the ones that are current. I'm gonna do Kearney Town. Let's say I was a great day and I actually did 1,536 words. It was fiction. I write nonfiction as well as fiction. So that's why I have that in there. You could delete that field if you decide to copy this template. And if I had any notes about it, I was just saying, it was a great day. If you like to like journal track your things. Now you can see that's there. You'll see that the sum of your total words has changed. The goal has gone up and if you look here, you can see different views. You can see this week. You can also filter it by which story you're working on. So in this particular case, you'll only see Baby Let's Play House, even though today I added a scene from Carney. So this is how I track my word count. Doesn't mean I'm right or wrong, but this is an easy way to do it. This way I know where my production is, at least for my writing goes. Now we get into the story master list. That long list that I went over in the other document, that's all here. It's all here. If you look over here, I have, you can see that I have set up so that I can put the word current word count, the goal, and it will automatically decide how much left I've got. So on Carney Town, you can see I've only written this much and I've got only written 6%. So not very impressive, right? These are all made up, so who cares? If you actually open this, you'll see that it has all of those fields. And I think, did I hunk a burn it? Yeah. So this is one I've actually pretended was finalized. See, writing status is finalized. Publishing status is published the different genres that it's in. Here's what I was saying where a quick reference so you could see where it's been published. Did I publish it in Google? It says here I did, so I probably did. The model that it's using, the, when the copyright was filed, all of that information is here, whether it's been formatted or not, whether the cover has been designed or not. In Notion, you can actually upload images. I didn't have a fake image to upload. so. I'm sorry, but you could if you wanted to. And then of course, all the websites where it's been uploaded and you can add different websites. Notion's very flexible. And these are all fake links. At least I hope they're fake links to, I just wanted to fill them in so that you could see how easy it was to go in there and just pull the Goodreads link if you need it for an interview or you need it for an email or a newsletter or a news list or something like that. I always find putting the blurb in here to be really helpful because I've always found uses to plug that into emails or other kind of things. And if you go over here, let's look at what were we looking at? Baby, let's play house. That one still wouldn't work. You'll notice that I've pulled a view of the daily word count tracker into this view. So you can see exactly how much you've written in this particular book as pulled in from your daily word count tracker. So then you can take the total sum of words and then put that into the field up above. Haven't found a way to automate that. I've been looking, not possible as far as I can tell, but I've made it easy. So you just do this and this works it out. So 
I hope you see the value of something like this and how it can be utilized in Notion. Again, you can set this up in Excel spreadsheets. You can do it, write it down. You can put the list on a wall. Doesn't matter. I'm just giving you an example of how this is used. And finally, here we go, publishing distribution. So here's my distribution points. Remember, when you're serializing, every tier is its own distribution point. Its status, publications, if I've actually collated it and put it out to other places that I've published it. And here, down here is a relational calendar that includes all the times that I have scheduled it out. In Notion, it's not really easy to automate that. I will say that is one drawback for Notion. I know places like Airtable and Trello at the paid level, you can start doing automated task creation where you like, you set a date and you can work backwards or you can put forwards the different steps in the task. Worth the money if you ask me, but I really like Notion. So that's where I've set it up. There's lots of places you can do something like that. The thing I like about Notion is that you can have these different views like I was showing you earlier. In this particular case, if I just wanted to see a strict calendar and just want a table top to bottom, I could see it and sort it by publishing date. Or I can go back to calendar and look like what I'm going to be doing this month because now I know it's a chapter to book one, chapter one, it's gonna be on ring, ring tier two. So that makes it super, super simple. And one of the things, at this point in the publishing distribution side, you can also, at least in Notion, create a Kanban board similar to HB90, where based on the status of whether it's not started, whether it's in progress or whether it's done. So you can look really quickly at your distribution and depending on how you've broken it down, you can look at baby Let's Play House is currently being distributed. I'm not done with putting it out yet. So there's lots of different ways to be able to tweak that, but it's really handy to have. So again, I'm showing you this not to say, oh, this is how you have to do it. I'm just showing you this so that you can understand exactly the different ways that you can use the information you need to help you get your time back, which is really what we're talking about. Because this is all takes a lot of time right? Like tracking all of this stuff, like how many, like, where is this and where is this going? If you track it, if you have something set up, it'll clear your plate, it'll clear your mind, and you'll be able to focus on writing and branding and marketing and all sorts of stuff like that. So I said, I promised I'd loop back around to marketing real quick. And I think what a lot of people are concerned about is like scheduling marketing and what our market. If you're looking at this as a production cycle, which I guarantee you the large uh, traditional publishing houses do, like they're not all artsy, we'll just put this out into the world. They have a production cycle. They have product, they have inventory, they have distribution. Do the marketing through every step of the way. When you're in the production process, talk about it on your social media, if you're using social media at all or talk about it on your Discord, or talk about it on your Slack, talk about it in your newsletter. When you, easy way to look at marketing and have things to talk about in marketing, which I know is a huge stumbling block for people, is to talk about where you are in the publication cycle with that particular story. You can talk about having to do the writing, you can talk about having to do the cover art, you can talk about having to 
upload it to all the different places and how annoying that can be, but you're glad to get it out to all your readers. You can talk about the schedules that you've decided on. You can talk about a lot of things. And one of the beautiful things about this particular process that also you can put, you can also put it to anything else you're working on. Merchandise, production, inventory, distribution. It's project management, my friends. It is applicable to almost every aspect of your business. I've just been focusing on the publication cycle because we're here talking about subscription models. So that's what I've got. Michael, I think I've, I'm, I'm, I ended up a little short. I'm a little early, am I not? So I don't know. You, you got questions? Anybody got questions? Oh, no, there's plenty of questions. Yeah, <laughs> actually, I feel like most of the talks have been around 40 minutes, which is perfect because I was aiming for 45 minutes. So you were right on time. One thing, the biggest question asked, I didn't get it in the email you sent me, the links to what you had. Is that something that would be available? Yes, the link to the, yeah, here we go. I got them written out. I'll throw them into the chat. Great. I have a link to your slides, which I linked earlier, but let me link that again for everyone. That was by far the most asked question because, oh my, these re- what an incredible job. Oh, that, that was, I learned a lot. I already feel I, I'm itching to like get myself into some notion and start organizing my life better, but- <laughs> I'm it's, not, it's a it's downhill all the way, buddy, because the notion can do so much. It's amazing. It once really you dive amazing. in, it's I know so many people. Yeah, it's okay. It's it's a great software. But let's dive into a lot of these questions. So Aaron asked, what is time blindness? You were talking about it earlier, but I just think some clarification on that. Sure. Time blindness is a is an inability to be able to understand either how much time something takes and or how time passes. So it's the situation where especially happens with a lot of people with ADHD, where they think, okay, I'll do this and in 15 minutes, I'll pick you up or in 15 minutes, I'll catch the bus. The thing that they're doing actually takes 45 minutes, but they don't understand that because their sense of time is a little wonky. So it doesn't take 15 minutes, even though they think it takes 15 minutes. It can also manifest in a way where they just lose themselves in time, where they're going to say, okay, I'm going to work on this project for an hour. And then four hours later, they come up for air and it's, they didn't work on this project for an hour. They just lost track of the time. A lot of times it means people who have ADHD run late for things because they just don't have the ability, their brain doesn't work on linear time, like they, they uh, abstractly, they know time is a thing, but for someone with time blindness, it doesn't work linearly. They do not get it. So that's what time blindness is. Sounds a lot. That sounds, I can relate heavily to that one. I'm sure I'm not feeling <laughs> either. So we had a question about as far as release schedule, mm. does the whole book schedule override the chapter releases if it is finalized? So you have a finalized project, right? At that point, if you have a finalized product, you're not releasing as you write, okay? So releasing as you write, I call all current, like it's in the moment. Completed releasing, you have the book, you have the whole story, and now you've got to decide on a release date and like a publishing date, book publishing date, plus the subscription tiers date. Several factors could play into that, including how often your readers are used to getting content. So if your readers are used to getting content twice a week, then you would just map out the scheduling from there and then 
the week after the week or the two weeks after you get to the last chapter, then you would plan to publish the book as a whole. The reverse is you've already promised that this book is going to be published on this date. Maybe you've even set up pre-orders. So now you have a 25 chapter book and you've got one month to get it out. Guess what, baby? You're doing like four chapters a week or five chapters a week because you're going to be having to do it that way. So if you're not sure, my advice is to either take the date you'd like to publish the book and work backwards or take the number of chapters that are in the book and push forward from there. Don't just sit down and say, I would like, this is a big book and a big story and I'd like to do it for a while and then publish it someday. Nail those times and dates down so that you know what you're dealing with. Yeah, and that actually gives you the ability to then be able to invest, like if you're putting both obviously your time, but also money, be able to project your cash flow from a business standpoint, business management and product management go hand in hand, which is what you are discussed. So that's very important, especially as subscription authors, we have monthly revenue. Okay. So we have another awesome question. One that I want to discuss is conversation going on in the chat right now is about like free versus paid plans on Notion. And people in the chat have kind of shared what they're on because we have a lot of people who use Notion in the chat, but I'm curious for you, what would be your advice to an author who's planning to utilize Notion who might not be too familiar with it? I know every case is individual, but free. Right. No, if so here's but here's the first thing I want to say. If Notion seems overwhelming, there's no law against putting a big paper calendar on the wall and using that. There's no reason you can't keep using HB90, which uses the Kanban, the four column style of putting things in to do in progress, done columns, and just having that on your wall with multicolored post-its. There's no right or wrong way to do this. If you're interested in using Notion, I actually really, the heart breathings video that I put in the link, that's one of the reasons I put it there, because she really gives a beginner's overview on how to set up a task list. Like you just like, go here, you click, this is how this works. This is how it connects to something else. These are the different views. And it's a long video, but if you're really interested in getting to use Notion, I highly suggest that one. Below that on the screen, which I didn't share, there's another one I really called Red Gregory on YouTube. Now their videos are a little bit higher level. They do a lot of formulas to get the things that you want happen to happen. But if there's a specific behavior that would help you get something done. For instance, you wanna be able to automatically have recurring tasks, or you wanna be automatically generate dates that are two days out from the date you started. Red Gregory is a channel to go to. That Red Gregory is brilliant with formulas. I don't even try to keep up. I just copy paste. <laughs> wow, that wonderful, really great advice. And then on the note, we'll switch the topic from specific software in a second, but this is a great question too from Tabitha. Can another planner system like Trello or Asana, to, to your knowledge, be used to track things like book inventory or just Notion? No, they can absolutely be used to track inventory. I like I haven't used Trello in a while, so I don't know what their inventory features are, but they do have embedded spreadsheets in there for teams to be able to track things like that. And I would rather that you use that than just a standalone spreadsheet, because when you're talking about actual physical inventory, let's say you have a lot of printed books that you're trying to sell. If you're not using like a dropship or Spotify, then you might actually want to be able to track more complex aspects of the inventory or just use a simple spreadsheet. Those, those programs have so many features. You can absolutely make it do what you want to do. 
I really Trello, they've gone to be able to use the different views. So it's not just the Kanban style, the four columns with the cards. You can look at it as a table. You can look at it as a calendar. That was a game changer. They did that a few years ago. So I, if you're going to be using something, I think my second recommendation after Notion would be Trello. But it's really what environment you feel most comfortable in. Amazing. Amazing. And just got some more questions from people about the links. I just put them in the chat. So if you want the links to all the amazing resources that Kimu has shared with us, please check the comment that I just posted in the chat. There's been a lot of activity. So click in now. <laughs> there's more chats. It's great that you all are so active. And I'll be posting those links in the Facebook group as well later. So if you want to do, if one of the mods want to do like questions here, post in, or I can do it, whatever, however you guys are doing that. I'll drop it in the Facebook group as well. Yeah. If you want to make a post with the links, that'd be great. Well, afterwards, I'll also include the links like in all the, when we distribute the recordings, but no, this is incredible. This one is slight, a little on topic, slightly off topic, I guess, in the sense of we've been talking about, about like just organizing workflow to the standpoint, but this is more a question about at what point in your workflow do you do X? In this case, at what point in your process do you register your serial for copyright? The question from Angela. So copyright, so in, I'm talking from America, USA, a part of America, right? Like not Canada, not Mexico, but USA, the little middle part of America. And copyright's really weird in our country. It's basically automatically exists as soon as you write something and publish it somewhere. So like the first chapter for your story, once it goes on, you own the copyright pretty much as soon as it exists. But to file it is really helpful for contesting copyright infringement or affirming that it's your intellectual property. And they do not, at least last time I checked, which was not too long ago, they do not accept incomplete works. So the earliest you can register for copyright is when you have a pretty complete draft. Well, they don't like that, but if you have a pretty complete draft that maybe just hasn't gone through proofreading yet, you can do copy, you can register that with copywriting. I think they're up to $65 per copyright these days, but it does need to have some form of complete. So that's when you would, that's when you would register for that. That's great insight. Bringing the librarian and the workflow manager all together. I love it. I love it. So this is a, I think a, I'm going to bring up this question because I'm sure myself included, all of us, we love writing. We're in the book world. We probably have other roles that we have to spend time in besides our stories. We might have day jobs. You might be in school. And specifically, we have someone asking that they're doing a dissertation for a PhD study. And the question is, would these tools and tips assist me? And I know the answer is going to be yes, but I'm curious if there's, I just know what they do. But to make that more specific, what are some things that you found in working just with solopreneurs broadly that have helped them that maybe us writers can learn from and by proxy might be able to learn from in our day jobs too. So there's a couple of things. One, don't start with the calendar, end with the calendar, figure out what you have to do and then start putting it into the calendar. Don't start, don't look at a big empty page of your day and start filling things in. Understand what you have to do and when they have to be done. And that kind of relates to the second part of it, which is, Think of these things as projects. I think, oh my gosh, you poor dear with your dissertation, 
blessings be upon you. With something like that, it's very easy to get in the weeds of thinking of it as this big thing. And I think that happens with subscription authors as well. They look at all the, the times that they need to post and every week they need to have something going on and they have this schedule and they have that deadline and it just becomes overwhelming. If you think of your book as a project, as a product, then things kind of, it simplifies it in your mind. It's a mind trick. It's a mindset thing. But I think once you get away from the language of how we built up these concepts and dissertation is certainly one of them. Dissertation, the word gives me hives, right? So just actually writing one can feel overwhelming. But if you think of your dissertation as a product and you have a date, it's supposed to be on the shelf, probably on the shelf in your university library dissertation room, right? If it has to be on the shelf by a certain date, then you can work backwards from there and try to figure out what needs to be done when. Now, the trick on that, sometimes you have to let things go. There might be extras that you wanna write for your story that you have to put aside because the deadline's coming up or, or due date's coming up or it's time to post to a certain tier, a chapter. You need to finish the chapter, come back to the extra later. And something like a dissertation, it might be you just have to not explore that little alleyway of journal publications and just keep to the ones that are actually necessary for you to finish your dissertation. So it's easy to get involved in different things, but learn how to let go. It's very important. Wonderful advice. And I love this next question so much. So thank you, Heather, for this question. It's please speak on depression and anxiety affecting work. And specifically, I think work as an author in this case, but she's curious because of your work with students and faculty, which I could say myself being in college is a lot of this, everyone struggles with mental health, but I think college is a particular unique time of life being in study universities, no matter what age you are in university. So anyways, I think you have a, I'm very excited for your answer on this depression, anxiety for authors and workflow and productivity management. What happens when you have a schedule of things to do and inventory and all this stuff is just overwhelming. You don't even want to get up the next day. That happens. It does happen. And I think the biggest point that I can make was going back to the one of know thyself. If you've got recurring depression, you've got clinical ongoing depression, you've got anxiety. As I mentioned, I have generalized anxiety disorder. So when I'm looking at making a due date for myself, I've got to allow enough time that I can accomplish the things I need to do. Trying to shorten things down and make it really quick. I know me. I want to get things done fast. I want to get them out there. But at the same time, committing myself to that shortened due date ramps up my anxiety. So when it comes to when it comes to issues like depression, mental health, mental illness, bipolar disorder, even issues like autism that can come into play with hot people with high sensitivities to different things, they can become exhausted just being exposed to the outdoor world. You've got to be able to schedule in flexibility. And scheduling in flexibility means that perhaps you're not an author who publishes once a week, but you're an author who publishes four times a month. Flexibility can be being able to have your, especially subscription platforms, have your followers know that these are there may be some ups and downs as you go along. Always 
be communicate. You don't have to reveal that you have these issues, but you can say that there are outstanding issues in your family life, or your personal life, where you've got to be flexible on these things. I, I think the biggest problem I ever had with students in particular, but any of my clients, because I do one-on-one -on -one personal productivity coaching, is they get really I don't want to say married to, more like ball and chain, to the neurotypical idea of what productivity looks like. And if you've only got four hours worth of energy every day, whereas a neurotypical person has 12 hours of energy a day, you've got to be very careful what you do with those four hours. And so be aware of what those hours are going to and just understand that what you're going to accomplish is going to look different than what somebody else is going to accomplish. And I think, Michael, you were talking about no comparisonitis earlier in one of the presentations. And I think that is incredibly important for people who are dealing with issues like that. Beautiful. Oh, just amazing. I have one final or can we get to? Yeah, I think we can do it. One one final question, because I think ending it off, especially because we're getting close now to the end of the summit, close. And probably people have a lot of different ideas, a lot of things that they want to do. How, especially as subscription authors, should we think about prioritizing the things that we want to do? I call it the bucket method. And the bucket method is understanding what your priorities are in life. And usually most experts agree that you can only have three to four main priorities in life. For you, Michael, it might be school, right? Family, ream, right? Now you've got three. So what's going to be your fourth? That's tough. Are you going to join a sports league? Are you going to pick up a cosplay as a hobby? Any one of those things is going to be time intensive. So if you know your buckets, then you'll be able to start looking at how much energy you have to put in each one. And I really don't believe in the work-life balance. I don't think that exists. My thought is what I call holistic productivity, which is understanding the relationship between the buckets that you have. During finals week, and sorry, I'm using you as an example, oh, Michael, no, but you're really no. handy. You're right there. But, you know, during finals week, you're not going to be spending a lot of time with your family and friends. You're not going to be spending, you're going to be spending time with Reem because of commitments that you've made, but that's finals week. You've got to put your energy to that. And so for writers and all of us, if writing is one of our careers and we have a day job and we have a family, there may be times when your kid's piano performance is more important than your day job or your writing. And there may be times when you're coming up on a commitment to you publish every Tuesday, it's Monday night honey, I'm not going to movie night with you guys because I've got this thing to finish that I need to get done on Tuesday. So it's not about a work-life balance. It's balancing the goals, the ultimate priorities that you have. I always say, marry your practical actions to your vision. And that's how you will figure it out. Oh, amazing. And I've been saying for a long time that I don't believe in work-life balance, but I never had a good answer. You just gave everyone an incredible answer about a, a different way of thinking that, especially as authors, like what is work-life balance when we have this passion that can take over? Like, what does that right. even, and it can be hard for a lot of us and hard to even explain to our family, right? I'm sure people have felt that where you, know, you have maybe a significant other or friends or parents who are like, whoa, like, what is it, this thing? Shouldn't you take it easier? But it's no, I have my buckets now. And yep. And you've got to, you've got to do the practical to the vision, the visions are the buckets. And once you've got those three things in order, then you're good. Not saying it's going to be easy, but, no, but it's going to be, you're going to be, you're going to have a much better handle on how to do 
prioritize and how to put things in the right place. Prioritization is something I deal with a lot with my clients. So if anybody wants to talk to me like that, my email's out there, visit my websites. I'll post that on the Facebook channel as well. A great actually ending is to reach out to Kimbu. Her website, I'm going to leave in the chat right now. Feel free to reach out to her. Incredible. I'm going to leave my my other information as well, not just the ream. Yeah, there you go. You got my deets one. Yeah, there you yeah. Go. perfect. Exactly. Yeah, awesome. Exactly. You got so my deets. So there we go. You can leave anything else. Of course, any other link you want to drop in the chat. Now is your time. But what what an incredible session! Oh my, this was it just blew me away. You are incredible. We are so lucky to have you. Personally, I am always here for you. And from bottom of my heart. Huge thank you. And everyone else, let's give Kimbu a huge round of applause. And we'll be going into a short little break here. Thank you so much for watching this session of the Subscriptions for Authors Summit. Now, you may want to learn more about subscriptions. And in that case, I recommend watching all the other sessions in this summit. They're linked down in a playlist below. But I also want to share with you all the other amazing resources we have as part of Subscriptions for Authors. First, we have the Facebook group. You've probably heard it talked a lot about during the summit, but if you're not a part of it yet, you can join totally for free in the link down in the description at facebook.com slash subscriptions for authors. There's over 2,300 fellow subscription authors in there, and now a bunch of spin-off groups based on specific genres that will help you start and grow your subscription as an author. In addition, we also have for a very limited time, the founding cohort of the Six Figure Subscription Author Accelerator. It's the first link down in the comments. It's open till May 31st, and it's an amazing premium course plus group mentorship that me and Amelia have set up. It has over 10 hours of video, and then has four group mentorship sessions where you'll be paired with a coach and fellow teammates who will take you through starting and growing your subscription with the goal of taking you at the beginning of the summit, whether you've started your subscription or not, to then being able to grow your subscription, get your first paid subscribers, and hopefully grow your subscription to the point that one day you can be a six-figure subscription author. It's a really, really exciting opportunity, and me and Amelia are super excited to share that with you, especially if you're very serious about growing your subscription. It can be a great opportunity if you're a very serious author who wants to go and do that. But if you're maybe not ready for the accelerator, no worries, because we have a lot of other opportunities, a ton of free resources we put online on this very YouTube channel, there's like 30 podcast episodes out and we have a ton more releasing soon. We have like 10 more films that we're going to be releasing in the coming weeks. In addition, we have a free book called The Descriptions for Authors Starter Guide, which condenses a lot of the amazing insights you heard today throughout these sessions and gives them in a very streamlined fashion, a step-by-step -step guide into how you can start your description. You can download that book totally for free by signing up for our mailing list at the link in the description. And then lastly, we also have Fireside Chats. I will link down to the playlist of that as well. Those are free webinars that we do about very key topics and subscriptions. So those are really, really fun. I hope you all enjoy it. Yes, we are dedicated to putting a ton of resources out there for you to have a successful subscription. Not only that, but we also built a platform specifically made for fiction authors to be successful in subscriptions, which is called Ream. You can think about it like the Shopify meets Patreon, meets a Facebook group, meets Wattpad, all in one. But the whole goal is to help you turn your fans into customers of yours directly that pay you monthly. It's a really awesome platform. And you can check it out in the link below in the description as well. 
yes, there's a lot of links, there's a lot of things going on, but odds are if you're watching this summit, you wanna dive deeper into your subscription, so you want to give you everything in one place. And in fact, if you wanna get all of our links in one place, we have the Ream link tree. That'll be the second link down in the comments. The Ream link tree literally has everything in there. So if you ever want any information on anything in subscriptions, all of it's in the link tree. And it's a pretty great place. I'll see y'all soon. Thank you for being a part of this summit. You all the best. Have a great rest of your day. And don't forget, storytellers rule the world. Oh,